Hello and welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wetland. This is episode 56, Oh, the Workplace Drama. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to teams, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also, as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here, because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons, and equally important, to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. Okay, people, who in their right mind does not like a little workplace drama? Gossip, bring it on. Untethered emotions, yes, please. Weeping and sobbing, uh huh. Backstabbing, you betcha. Over exaggerating problems and making mountains out of mohills, so fun. <laughs> Let's talk drama. From most of us, we've experienced it. We tend to know what it is, and I hear it quite frequently from managers I work with that they want to get rid of it. So we're going to focus a little bit on some of the reasons why it happens and also, importantly, what to do about it. Let's start with the why. Because I mean, seriously, why does this happen in a professional adult environment <laughs> where adults who like make money and have status and security, why do they behave poorly? I mean, in grade school, uh-huh, high school, of course, but work, yeah. And here are some of the reasons why. One is I may be particularly attention-seeking. I want people to notice me. I want recognition and attention. And you listening to me is reinforcing. So I get that attention and other people are paying attention to me. Therefore, I am important because I now have more status. And we know that from little kids, right? Sometimes even negative attention is better than no attention at all. Oh boy. Secondly is my status. I love knowing something that no one else knows. It may be secret or it may be confidential. Yes, please. The more the merrier. And I get to tell others about it. This also reinforces my status and it shows that I'm in the know. Being in the know gives me credibility and power. Right. <laughs> but with all this said, chances are I probably have either low emotional intelligence, meaning self-awareness or self-management, in the sense that I may not realize that what I'm doing is affecting my own credibility negatively 
Or if I do, I don't care because I may not be considering the consequences of my behaviors on my own integrity. There may be a gap in the integrity I think I have relative to what I truly have in the eyes of others. There may also be in my environment a lack of expectations on appropriate behavior. For example, if there's nothing in place that clearly states, don't talk behind other people's backs, it's disrespectful, it undermines trust. And by the way, no one is saying, you are doing this, Cindy, please stop. Stop because it's undermining your own credibility. Stop because it is disrespectful and unprofessional and all of those things. Someone may not even be telling me that. And I know, I know you are rolling your eyes. You're like, oh my gosh, are are we in high school? Are we in grade school? Why do I have to say those things? Do I have to say those things? Do I have to really tell people those things? My answer to you, if you're seeing them, (laughs) yes, yes, you do. So I am not held accountable to stop those destructive and annoying behaviors because there are no consequences from a negative perspective. There are positive consequences because the positive reinforcement I get from the attention or my own internal thrill-seeking self, (laughs) I get something from doing this or else I would stop. So I think what's interesting, and hey, I'm not a psychologist, and you probably have others to add to the list as well, but I see this as attention-seeking. I see it about status. I see it about the link to emotional intelligence or lack thereof. I see it about the environment is allowing this to happen with no accountability or no consequences. And while it's important to know why it occurs, and again, you could probably dive into this psychologically much, much deeper, we also have an obligation to be clear about what it means and define it. And that is relative to you. Because what you think and feel is dramatic, and I put dramatic in air quotes, is probably quite different from someone else. How acceptable is emotional expression in your culture and in your organization? To some people, really strong reactions or unfiltered emotional responses, being quote unquote dramatic is normal. Some people raise their voices. Some people are more comfortable yelling. That's just the way either they were raised or the way they are. They don't consider it dramatic. The reality is, though, if you are in the role to manage the environment and to make it more trusting, positive, and supportive, then you have to consider your own standards and expectations. What are appropriate standards that are important to you? You must define it if you want to stop some of these annoying, destructive, and just exhausting behaviors. Because to define it and set those expectations from there, we can manage it. So if you want to manage workplace drama, number one is we need to really set the stage for the kind of environment that we want to have. What is What does it look like? What does morale look like? What does teamwork look like? What does trust look like for you? What would it look like if all of these behaviors went away? Your job is to start with that, a vision of what a professional, respectful work environment looks like. From there, we have to label 
the ineffective behavior very clearly and make sure we're focusing on the actions, the things that we can hear or see concretely, not generalizations or abstractions. Now, here's a list, and I'll give you some examples of things that I hear quite frequently in the environment, gossiping about other people, talking about someone's intentions and judging them particularly with not even knowing what the intentions are. And I would, I would hashtag this, not assuming positive intentions. The third is talking negatively about someone else behind their back, not having the courage to give feedback directly. The next one is over-exaggerating a problem. So sometimes people aren't really using facts or data or specifics. They're merely exaggerating, overblowing a description of something, maybe uh, emotionally. Connected to that is not differentiating between facts versus opinions. So I may have a lot of opinions, but I'm not supporting that with facts. And that's very dramatic. To be very passionate about my opinions and be very steadfast in them without presenting facts and clarity is really not good critical thinking. And that could go really wrong in an environment. I could also use aggressive or passive aggressive language, both of which derail effective communication and in particular assertive communication or things that we even see like, oh, I don't know, swearing, yelling, throwing things, name calling. And I know that sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? But I still hear people talking about doing those things in the workplace. I know. It's amazing. But what about sabotaging decisions, resisting change in a way that's not constructive? So using destructive behaviors to sabotage decisions or changes. And then there's the blaming and deflecting and whining or lying and undermining someone else's credibility. These are things that I would define as ineffective behaviors. And in a way, these are also a list of things that I would consider could be displayed pretty darn dramatically. So when I think of drama, those are some of the things that I would label as dramatic and destructive in an environment because none of those really add value or build trust. So we start with creating clarity about the vision, the standards, the environment we want. Second thing we do is we label the ineffective behaviors clearly. And then number three, and this is the one that I also see not happening a lot, is we have to address the drama as it arises. We have to start labeling what is drama, what is effective about bringing things, bringing issues, bringing problems to the surface, but what is destructive about the approach that some people may be using. Because underneath the drama, there may be legitimate concerns or problems or issues, conflicts, all of those things that we want to address. But the how in how someone's presenting it tends to be the problematic piece. If I'm getting all dramatic about an issue that I have with a coworker and that person is doing something that really bothers me and I'm displaying it in a drama-filled, ineffective way, 
that's what we have to really label clearly. It's not the content sometimes, although sometimes it is legitimately, it's the process of how I bring up that issue or what I'm doing about it or how I'm reacting about it. And I think that is such an important key part to really acknowledging some of the problems and the issues that arise in the workplace and yet also clearly understanding what's ineffective about the approach. And then I think another thing that could be done to eliminate drama in the workplace, we're not going to get <laughs> probably rid of it anytime soon, um, but I think strengthening emotional intelligence across your team and organization is a really big key to change. Because if I'm super ticked at someone and I don't even know that I don't have the self-awareness to label that effectively much less to manage my emotions effectively or constructively, that's when some of that bad stuff comes out, like aggressive language or being passive aggressive, or I talk negatively about someone, or I gossip, or I, I swear or yell or whatever those things are. It's because I don't even know in the moment what I'm experiencing, I may not be able to label those negative emotions, much less deal with them constructively. So I see a lot of ineffective behaviors and what I would consider drama in the workplace to be linked absolutely to emotional intelligence. Key actions for eliminating drama in the workplace, one is creating that expectation and the vision. Second is really labeling the ineffective behavior clearly. And number three is addressing the drama as it arises, clearly separating content from the practice or the behaviors that are getting in the way of someone's effectiveness and the things that are undermining trust and morale. And then number four, strengthen emotional intelligence. I can't stress enough how important the link is from self-awareness and self-management so people have another option with how to navigate through these difficulties rather than going the dramatic route. If you're in a leadership role, you are responsible for the work environment and what you ignore, sadly, you condone. So we got to clean up these behaviors that are just draining. They drain energy, they deplete the morale, and they're just pretty soul sucking. And you know what I mean if you work in an environment in which drama is not addressed. And if you're not in a leadership role to create this change, Remember Cheryl Richardson's stance. She said, just because some people are fueled by drama doesn't mean you have to attend the performance. Wise words, Cheryl, because feeding drama fuels drama. My hope is that you walked away with at least one insight or tip to help you manage drama in the workplace. Next time, we're going to talk about soft skills and how ridiculously hard soft skills are. Join me.